0: Feed me more.
1: with the big guy i am the big guy right back back with another episode episode 99 one away from 100 for everybody out there that is math is not their strong point i'm sitting here with jd in florida and ace mike malaro back east jd what's going on this week how you doing
2: since this is the 99th episode does that make this episode the great one
0: <laughs>
2: ah wayne gretzky correct
1: Yep. Yes, <laughs> ah, I know my hockey. Well, I was a way, big Wayne Gretzky <laughs> fan growing up. Actually, big L.A. Kings guy. Ace, how are you doing out there? How's how's everything going with the weight loss? Doing
3: good. Uh, didn't lose any weight this week. It's been kind of a slow week. You but son of a good. bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's
1: been good though. Huh? Good. No, uh, we said that was going to happen, and it and it will from week to week. The uh, you should have a package. Should have should be coming in by tomorrow. G- did it come in today or no? Up, I
3: had it yesterday. Yep. Okay,
1: good deal. And so uh, I think adding uh, two servings of Shell Shock Extreme Fat Burner twice a day will uh, will help with this whole process as well. So I'm curious to see once you get rocking and rolling with that, how much more weight here we can keep knocking off in these beginning stages. But it's uh, it's just just one day at a time. It's all it is. So we're making good decisions.
3: Everything's been good. Though. I've been feeling good. Feeling actually feeling great. Actually, so you know, hit the gym three times this week. Uh, everything's been normal. I mean, y- yesterday I had a little bit of a cheat day. It was uh, we did a memorial for Dad. So yep. after that, everything was good.
1: Good. I know. that's uh, yeah. if there's a day to do that, that is the day. <laughs> so it's uh, and it, it's very understandable, and uh, you just get back on track and, and, and keep it moving, and, and uh, you're doing you're doing the right thing. So we're, I'm happy to hear that. We have a lot going on this week in the world of wrestling and the wrestling news. We've had an Extreme Rules pay-per-view yesterday, which I caught a good amount of that, and uh, a lot of other stuff, right, Ace?
3: It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> yeah, I want to start with Hulk Hogan. Uh, yep, last night they announced Hulk Hogan has been reinstated by the WWE. After three-year suspension, Hulk Hogan has been reinstated to the Hall of Fame. Uh, this second chance follows Hogan's numerous public apologies, and volunteering to work with young people, where he's helping them learn from his mistake. Uh, Hogan also tweeted, just know the WSU superstars. On all levels, the volume of love and support was overwhelming. I'm praying for this day, and I finally feel like I've made it back home. Only love for the WWE Universe, brother. Uh, look, I'm not going to defend what Hogan said or did, but I think the context has to matter here. It was a bad time in his life, you know, in what he believes to be privacy, and it was recorded eight years before it came out. You know, I, I think you know, I really feel judging someone pure, uh, purely by the worst moment in their life is kind of insane. You know, I hate yeah. the idea when someone makes a mistake; they just go away for a while. You know, at the end of the day, Hogan's a human, and we have many failings. So, you know,
1: absolutely. And like I said before, I think it's uh, he's done all the right things, and um, it is that is not an easy thing to overcome, and a, to deal with all the scrutiny and criticism. And, and again he can't defend any of that by any means and and it was a huge mistake on his part and i think if you take any of us in our private moments so in our lives um anyone and everyone could judge the fuck out of everyone at any given point in time and uh granted that was at a at a, it's about as bad as it gets and uh yeah. it's and there's nothing you could say to defend that or anything but all you can do is He realized he was wrong. He apologized for his mistakes and he's going out and he's actually doing good things and helping change people's lives and helping other people make better decisions and hopefully not go down that same road uh, so that, you know, if somebody has a private conversation tapped into that, that you just, I guess just raising awareness and, and being a better human being from, from something that, that happened, that was a horrible incident and, and uh I think him being back in the WWE makes makes all the sense in the world. And like you said, this is an opportunity. I, I'd heard an interview with Mark Henry on TMZ actually earlier today. Yeah. And Mark's a very Mark's a very, very intelligent human being and and if Mark, you know can because Mark Mark Henry loved and adored Hulk Hogan growing up, yeah. as it is, did pretty much everyone. And you know, and I'm sure he was personally deeply hurt by the whole situation and and just from the the standpoint of that was his one of his childhood heroes or one of the guys he looked up to as did a lot of people and again i think the important thing you said ace is he's a human being which people tend to forget with wrestling in general but somebody of that that magnitude and um he's created so many great moments in people's lives and kids lives that are now adults and have kids and and whatnot that that it's easy to forget. We, sometimes you put these people on a pedestal in a higher level, but at the end of the day, they're humans. They they do everything as everyone else does, and that include includes making mistakes. So I think it's a good thing that he's back. Uh, that doesn't mean every again, not everyone's going to forgive you for anything. All he could do is live a better life for himself and his fans and the people that do support him. And 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 I think it's only fair to give the man another opportunity, um, because, because he is a, a big, big reason the WWE, WWE is where it is today. And, and and there's no one person made the WWE. It's a, it's a, it's a group effort for many generations of wrestlers and, and whatnot. And it's, uh, it's a good thing. And I, and I, I'm happy. I'm happy personally for Hulk Hogan, for Terry. And, uh, I think he's done his time, and if he continues to do the right thing, and again, he's a—he makes everyone makes mistakes. So it is what it is. He's back, and I think I think a lot of people are happy about that. So JD, anything on that?
2: Well, more than it being a mistake, I feel like it was a uh, mindset—I don't know—malfunction. Like you know, there's a lot of guys that worked with him that said he's not a racist, but when he, I mean, he in, in that tape, he straight up says I'm racist. Right. Mm. And if you think about, I mean, we all say things in private, but do we think on that level? Like my thought was if somebody pissed me off, you know, whether it was personally or, you know, I put myself in his shoes and I might be, you know mad as hell and in my mind i'm like this motherfucking cock sucking
3: but i'm not <laughs> but,
2: but i don't think of their skin color
3: yeah those words don't even pop in yeah yeah it, it, i, I you know what i mean like, yeah when
2: i when i'm mad i'm mad at this piece of shit human being i'm not mad at this piece of shit human being because and i'm gonna like talk about it because his of a, skin yeah, color like, to, yeah yeah like i'm you know, if he's done something to me, he's done something to me because he's a piece of shit, not because he's of a certain race. So, yeah. and I think that you know, comes
1: from another generation, too, from that. That was in, in our generation, I think is it, it's different. I think it's going to be different for the next generation, but and it's raising awareness on that and that mindset. I think that that's a great point.
2: Well, some people, and I was just going to say, too, you know, maybe it had something to do with the upbringing, and some people live their life, uh, with some ignorance because they don't understand the true meaning or what the real offense is behind racial slurs. Like to them, some people think, oh, if I just drop the N-word, I'm the same as calling that guy a fucker. It's completely different. And if you talk to black people, some of them are more offended than others, but that all is just dependent on how you know in tune they are with their history yeah they all we all should be in tune with our history because that's how we be you know move forward better and we learn more you know from our history so some people are ignorant and they think that Well, it's a bad word but you know so is cunt right which is a everyday word in england and but it's not the same and you shouldn't have the mindset of if somebody's you know fucked you over or you know in in that case he felt like you know whatever it was with his daughter dating somebody yeah. it doesn't matter he should have been mad or whatever because of the person being a human being whatever you know he wasn't good enough to date his daughter or like he didn't have you know a good career and maybe he thought he'd she'd be a bad influence on his daughter it shouldn't have had anything to do with the, the color of the guy's skin so hopefully Throughout this process, he's learned the difference between a bad word, per se, and words that are deeply offensive and hurtful, because there's a lot of pain associated with these words. There's There's a long, horrible history associated with these words. And even in private, it doesn't matter, because you can't go on Twitter and say, we're all equal, brother, much love, HH. We all bleed the same blood, right? Yeah. And you can't not just sure. say it. You have to truly believe it. And if he has rehabilitated his mind and and understood why his way of thinking was wrong, so that's I care about that more than the apologies because somebody can apologize all day Absolutely. long and they might not even mean it. You know, like, hey, uh, this that, what I said is fucking me over with the money. I would <laughs> rather them be truly rehabilitated in mind and go, man, I didn't even realize you know yeah and and that you know, so hopefully that's what it is, In which I think
1: i really i i from the outside, looking in, I feel like that is the case and again it in in only time will continue to tell that, but I feel like he has done all the right things, obviously he has said the right things and uh and I think he is fully aware that actions speak louder in words now in this situation for him and, and again, and I think it's. I think he in helping these other people and I think it's exactly that that he 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 truly does realize um what he did and the magnitude and and how how deeply it hurt many people, not just because he's Hulk Hogan, but again because of the words that he used so it's uh I'm happy for Terry for Hulk though, and uh it's good to see him back all
3: right, uh, I guess we'll jump into extreme rules. Uh, all in all, I thought it was a decent pay-per-view. Uh, the matches were really good. Uh, I still think they need to go back to three hour pay-per-views. You know, I watched this morning. I fast forwarded the changes in promos, but you know, it just, after a while, it just feels like, okay, I'm tired of watching, you know, wrestling with the pre-show and then, you know, the four hour show. Uh, they probably could easily cut out two or three matches and still had had a better show. Uh, you know, Finn Balor and Baron Corbin, it was a good match, but it could have gone. Uh, they did the five-second match to put the U.S. title on Shinsuke and bring back Orton, but you could have done that on Raw tonight instead.
1: Yeah, no, I actually I enjoyed uh, the pay-per-view, and I thought this was one of the first times I feel like in a while. If you watch an NXT show, and this is nothing against their cookie-cutter matches now, and what I mean by that is everybody's doing all the near-falls, and it's the, every match is almost identical. Everyone's doing yeah. all the same moves. And again, it's up to the people promoting the show to control that. Which I thought last night, WWE had a really good balance of different match types leading up to the end of the show. And again, what I mean by that is you're not seeing all the matches uh, going 20, 25 minutes with with all these just kicking out of finishes and near falls and this and that. Um, I thought like, again... Curtis Axel, Bo Dallas. That kind of came out <sighs> of, that wasn't the longest match in the world, but it, it was the pay-per-view built last night, I thought, and it had, and it had, it had a little bit of everything. And, and, you know, you got your Rollins and uh, Ziggler, main event, you know they're going to go out there and put in the time and put in the near falls and the things of that nature and give you that type of matchup, what everyone is expecting it to be. Now, if you go out there and do that with a show that long, again, Dr. Tom Pritchard, brilliant brain, uh, for pro wrestling, it would always equate. You could go, you can only watch two elephants fuck so many times. Uh, you know, you <laughs> see it once, oh, wow, that's wow. <laughs> you see it twice, you're still, you're still fucking has your attention. By the third time, you're just like, Jesus Christ. So you can't, you got to have different things in a pro wrestling show. And again, a lot of independent matches and things, you'll sometimes just see the same thing from match one to match eight.
0: Sure.
1: Now maybe there's a time uh, and a place for that at certain things. I think though, pro wrestling is, is again you got to build. and Now Snow always talked about this. You got to build the card like you build a match, and you don't want match one going out there, and uh, which WWE is guilty of this all the time and stuff. And, and not to say you can't do it on occasion, but you want to build up the show and, and and build it up for your your final matches that you have the most invested in, so that by the time they do go out there and do that stuff. The crowd hasn't seen it 10 times already. And uh, I thought last night was really good on that on that end with, with different things and, and quicker matches. And I think that's fine to do that on there. Again, they're they're on the network now. They're giving guys the, the opportunity. I, I look at it from, so we've talked about it, from a fan standpoint, it can suck sometimes. But I'm looking at it from a worker standpoint or from being in the back, one of the guys or girls, they now have an opportunity to to get an extra paycheck out of that, and because those pay, the, you know, that those more than being on TV and whatnot, and, and so and to see Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas finally get an opportunity to be on pay per view or to be on the network um, in a match, not just be walking out with the Miz or you know, it's just it it, it felt good to me on a personal level, and. uh and I just thought all the matches again, and it was I thought everything was really solid last night, as it always is, always is there's just different types of shows and and I wasn't not bashing NXT because like everyone's amazing all the talent there. It's just a different if you watch a whole NXT thing, it could become repetitive at times and whatnot and like last night to me was pro wrestling. I thought they did a good job with all that uh and whatnot.
3: One thing I really liked is even the matches where people lost. I mean, everybody came out looking strong. I mean, you know, I wanted Rusev to win, but I mean, there's no one's going to watch that match and say Rusev was a jobber. I mean, the two of them gave each other everything, and uh, you know, at the end, of, you know, when they did the 450 splash and Rusev kicked out, like you said, it meant something because people weren't kicking out of finishers all night. You know, yeah. that moment, the crowd was on their feet. I mean, you know, again, even Rusev lost the match, but you know, there was no one who came out of that match thinking any less of him.
1: No, absolutely not. And again, we talked about that weeks prior, and. Um, I looked at that as a, I think there, there was a really big moment and I think he knows it too. And, and whatnot, um, moments like that are very rare where you can, and again, he's, he's had some, the people are firmly behind him and he's, he's had, you know, some key losses still and all this, but the people are still firmly behind Rusev day in, in, in chanting it throughout different matches. And, um, again, he's a heel reminds you. And with yeah. a guy Aiden English who was really doing nothing before, and they have made the absolute most uh, of this situation, and it's—I would have personally would have loved to have seen that close the show with a Rusev victory. I think it would have. I think that kind of stuff. I think it makes. I think it raises AJ doing that kind of stuff, and it's not. That's not AJ's call. He's just doing what is asked of him and, and whatnot. Um, were you? Take the momentum of the crowd and you, you allow their energy to actually have a moment. And it, it creates for some really cool things. And I think that would have brought Rusev to the next level. Um, and it's just one of those things now what they do with him after this. And again, because the people, I, you know, if they have him lose seven pay per views in a row. And and not get figured in it after a while. Then like what happens with Rusev Day, you can see the crowd and go back and look. They had they had a shot last night. I wish I was able to to get a still shot of it. There was a group, almost like a family, uh, wearing like Rusev Day shirts. And uh, after they panned out after the loss, you could just see like they were just completely dejected, like and just like they were they were zapped. Like they were you, and it, it's just like. That that's part of pro wrestling. That that's that's the magic of it. But if that happens time and time again when someone's behind you, eventually then they they get they start getting embarrassed for where you know they well, why am I wearing this Rusev day shirt? Nothing really happens with it, and then over time it, it kind of brings you down. But hopefully they get him back on track and he can get some momentum and and uh, continue. And hopefully there's another opportunity down the line uh, where where they can where they could do something with it. So. And again, that's their call, that's their company, their brand, and you know, they, they have their booking plans and they have their guys. And if you're not figured into this, isn't a knock. It, people it's just speaking truthfully on the matter. If you're not in that inner circle of the guys that they have something for, and it sucks as a wrestler to hear that it doesn't fucking matter what you do. And that's really hard for a lot of outsiders to understand. And everybody there is just doing what their job, doing what's asked of them, and it's uh Rusev, like there'll be people again saying Rusev failed in the you know in his championship match. Rusev went out there and did everything asked of him perfectly. Now, would you how you view him based on what that decision is? Shouldn't matter. You shouldn't look at him as a as a failure or success. He's by going out and doing his job. It's just a missed opportunity from the company's part to to take this momentum and turn it into even more. And you ask yourself, well, that doesn't really make a lot of sense from a business standpoint because his merchandise numbers are supposedly good and whatnot. They're only going to get better if you give the guy, make him, quote-unquote, appear a winner, a, quote-unquote, champion. He, but again, in that it just it kind of just it puts a little dink in your armor, and I just hope they get him back on track and he could do something with it moving forward.
3: Uh, the main event was a great match. Uh, the the Man match with Dolph and Rollins, uh, you know, Dolph retained, uh, I actually saw some places call this match boring. I think they're friggin' stupid. Really? Uh, you know, I would say no one hates, no one hates wrestling like wrestling fans. Uh, I thought the pacing was awesome. Uh, you know, you don't really see a match like this where the, you know, Rollins is the good guy went up three falls to zero and, you know, Dolph was coming from behind. Uh, and when drew, you know, destroyed Rollins, I mean, I think it made drew, you know, up a the next level too. Again, all three of those guys came out of that match looking, you know, phenomenal, uh, you know, I love watching Ziggler in that role. I mean, he, you know, people, you want to see him lose, but it was just so, so damn good. But, you know, when he needs to, he cheats. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, they did the sudden death overtime again for the Iron Man match, and I thought, you know, kind of that was a little quick at the end. But I, I thought the match itself, though, was phenomenal to that point.
1: Yeah, and I missed parts of that, but I, I can tell you what I did. I saw early on, I saw Dolph's interview on the pre-show, on the kickoff show well, well, by the panel, and I texted him after a hell of a promo and uh, he gave me back the old woo.
3: Uh,
1: <laughs> he is in the zone right now. And I think it, from a psychology standpoint, he's this guy. He, he's, he's amazing in the ring. He's an amazing fucking hell of a human being. And he's finally, You put a, you put, as he says, a big psychopath with him. And now it makes sense that he's winning after being booked. What people would say he's been booked horrible over the years at times. And and many missed opportunities as well as many guys. <clears throat> so now from a fan standpoint, it makes sense why he's winning. And I think he's, he's always been, because he, he is confident. He, he, he does, he knows how good he is. And I think that is coming across now in his character. And, and when I hear him speak, I know him so well. And I just, it's, I was like, I could tell when he's in the zone and I feel like everything is clicking on all cylinders with him right now. And I, ideally, I would like to, you know, I think they're going to use this as an opportunity to do something big with McIntyre, but, you know, I think you, you're you not doing any justice if you don't do something big with Ziggler with this, too. As far as pass the IC title, I think it's, I think you ride this to the main event with those two. I think you give Ziggler a hell of a, a run with the title. Then you pull the trigger with McIntyre so that it is, you know what I mean? That you, you get your full money's worth out of this and and whatnot and sometimes they'll 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 cut it short just to get the the result with the other guy but i think if they really invest some serious time in this with the two and really give ziggler some real fucking momentum and because of drew that then you know it really it really will mean something when they decide to pull the trigger with mcintyre
3: it seemed like they sort of teased that tonight uh you know they had a three a triple threat match for uh, the number one contendership, and Drew said, "You know I helped Delph win the title last night, and I'm going to win the match." I mean, he lost to Reigns, but uh, you know it was still cool seeing Drew, you know, elevate to that point where he was in the number one contenders match tonight. So,
1: yeah, no, I think he's done great for himself. I think he is. Uh, I think he's firing on all cylinders, coming back from an injury. You know, after coming back to NXT, and he uh, he looks great, and uh, to again, it's. You don't know with a guy unless you put him out there and give him big opportunities how they'll do. And I think that right now he's getting some opportunities to show them what he can do in in those in that key position or one of the key positions. So, and he, hell of a guy, and I've known him forever, and I'm happy that he's he's getting a chance now outside of what how he was used before. And so he seems motivated. He seems he seems uh, destined to do some big things this time around. Again, that all depends on how you're booked. So, But he's, he's doing everything he can in his power on his end, I feel. So we'll see. We'll, only time will tell on that.
3: You know, from a wrestler perspective, uh, the one thing that I always wonder, like you know, last night when the, uh, the crowd kept doing the countdown during the match, they seemed to, to either get themselves over or disrupt the match. I mean, from a wrestler's perspective, what do you think? What goes through your head when the crowd starts, okay, we're going to put ourselves over like they tried to do last night? What were they doing? Uh, basically, because it was the Iron Man match, they had the clock counting down. And yeah. every time, the last ten seconds for each minute, they would start counting down, and then make the, the like a Royal, Royal Rumble
1: like type yeah. deal, right? But every
3: minute they were doing it.
1: Yeah, Why? So that
3: at, at one point the WF actually pulled the clock down, but then uh, Rollins and Ziggler got the refs' attention, saying, "You know, we're using that to time our match, so put that back up." So yeah, you know, but
1: it was that... just
3: crazy. But the, like I said, the crowd was determined to get themselves over. It was uh,
1: unfortunately there's nothing you can do about that from uh from a wrestler from a wrestler standpoint as far as you can acknowledge it but it's um again here's an example too of, of a in a crowd being you can only do so much in certain things and when you gotta imagine unfortunately when things are planned um especially for a pay per view or a network or TV it's really hard sometimes, because, again you're working on a time schedule to go off of that too far. That could be really distracting, that 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 countdown type thing. And it, again, it, it sucks because you're in there busting your ass. And it seems that people are more interested in just doing that than actually taking in the match and whatnot. But again, it's a long night. Four or five, that crowd's been sitting there four or five, six hours. They've seen a lot of pro wrestling. So it, it's, it's one of those, you just got to work through it. And I thought those guys did a wonderful job of doing that. But it, one of the things with like with Braun, he was throwing Owens into the cage, and the crowd was chanting <laughs> "one more time," and then he did it. He, they would have just kept doing that all night, like what they just kept going, one more time, one more time. And that's one of the deals, like where you, you that's a situation where okay, you listen to the crowd, you give you get the feedback, you play up to it, but then they keep going with, it. and eventually you just got to stop because. But like, again, that was a match where you can kind of they're invested in that that particular moment and match where the rollins and, and ziggler thing was a little different as far as the, going into business for themselves and there's there's no rhyme or reason to it i i i can i can't explain it i've been a part of those those Raws after wrestlemania where the crowd and i've been in the ring and they they're just chanting and having fun and they're they're solely there to try to just get themselves over essentially but again they they paid their money you know, if that's what they want to do, you know, at the end of the day, we have their money the, from a company standpoint. It just doesn't always make the best. Uh, as a, from a wrestler standpoint, it's not always the best thing just because it, it could be distracting to your match. But you almost got to just tune it out and do your match for the team. Everyone watching at home is best to, to the best of your ability. And I thought those guys did that. So.
3: Okay, um, they announced the Ring of Honor and New Japan are going to be doing a show at Madison Square Garden for WrestleMania weekend. Uh, Ring of Honor announced today they'll be holding a joint card with uh, NJDPW called G1 Supercard at Madison Square Garden during WrestleMania weekend on Saturday, April 6, 2019. The same night that we'll be presenting NXT TakeOver six miles away at the Barclays Center. Uh, This is destined to join a long list of historical wrestling moments. Where better hold it than the Square Garden said, Ring of Honor COO, Joe Koff. I'm truly proud of what we've been able to achieve as a company, and I'm very appreciative of how great our relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling has become. None of this would be possible without our fans, who are truly the best in the world. Mass Square Garden would not be possible without them, and for that I'm most grateful. You know, a few weeks ago I'd said I'd love to see All-In 2 during WrestleMania weekend at Madison Square Garden, so uh, you know, it's, it's cool to see that Ring of Honor and New Japan are going to be doing it. Uh, I hate going out to Brooklyn, so I'll definitely be going to this show uh, for WrestleMania weekend, and I think it's going to bring a lot of attention for Ring of Honor and New Japan.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm curious to see how they draw during that. That will be, uh, with all the people out there, with all the fans and, and whatnot, that's, um, I, I can see them... You said they're going head to head with NXT that night.
3: Yeah, NXT takeover. Yep.
1: That'll be that'll be interesting because NXT typically they'll sell out for their shows usually, won't they? For that, so it will be interesting to see how many people go to these and if the fan base is strong enough. And in, in which I think it will be with the amount of people there. So again, this is. Uh, this has never really been done before, so it will be interesting to to see how it plays out. But good for those companies for getting that, and you know, if those arenas are all competing with each other and whatnot. And, and you know, WWE's always have is their big business, but you know, if MSG and from a WWE standpoint, if they could run Barclays for half the amount of of MSG, at the end of the day, they're still running in New York, and they're saving money from a business standpoint. And whatnot, but then that gives MSG the opportunity, you know, to maybe start doing business with some other companies and maybe at a better rate. I don't know. It's um it will be interesting to see nonetheless how this all plays out. J D, anything?
2: Well, I think, you know, originally when they said I think the rumor was that it was just gonna be ring of honor. Um, you know, I think that probably wouldn't have turned out too well even with all the fans there just because it's such an expensive building, and even if they are getting, you know, a, a good deal on it, I mean, what's a good deal if it's a dollars 100, or 150000 a night to rent the building? I mean, you have to sell that bitch out to, to, to even break even, depending on what your ticket prices are. I mean, it's not like the UFC that's going to go sell 20,000 tickets at MSG and do $20 million at the gate, right? Because I think WWE's biggest gate ever at MSG was a couple million for one of the WrestleManias. So, I mean, it, it just shows you how much of a difference there is in ticket prices. And obviously Ring of Honor wasn't going to go in there and charge uh, WrestleMania ticket prices. So, But now that they're you know, doing a joint show with New Japan, New Japan has money, New Japan has stars, New Japan has a completely different audience that they can market to. They do have a growing fan base in the U.S., and it's important. I mean, you know, some of the stuff we talked about recently with with, uh, WWE trying to or potentially locking down some of the smaller indies to put them on the network, you know, some people might think that that's a good thing, but when everything's under one umbrella, even if, you know, some of these smaller feds keep their names and stuff – don't think for one second that there isn't going to be some influence by WWE because it's their network Sure, and there, there will be, you know, rules. And if not rules, there will be guidelines and they will corral everything, how they want it done. So it's more important than ever. I mean, there's never really been competition since WCW and it has hurt, the industry as a whole, yeah, to not ha- to not have that. I mean, even ECW, which wasn't doing big business worldwide or anything, but at least domestically, it was making enough noise that they were selling out every arena. Yeah, you know, it was another they option
1: too for the guys. Sure.
2: Yeah. Well, it was, and it wasn't a twenty thousand seat arena. They might have been selling out four and five thousand seat, you know, arenas, but it's still was another place that was making a lot of noise. It had hype. It had loyal fans. So you basically had two and a half major promotions, which was a lot of work, a lot of cities, and a lot of opportunities. And now, you know, even though WWE tries to uh you know, we got SmackDown brand, we have the NXT branded, it's all under one umbrella. It's hmm. all on the network. It's all, you know, so I hope that they do really well and that it's just the beginning for them. Yeah.
3: We'll probably talk talk a little more about this next week, but um, on uh, Amazon, they actually had a wrestling show that they they aired last month called Dojo Pro Wrestling. And what it was, had a lot of big names on it, like Shane Strickland. uh, Hold on. Shane Strickland was on it, James Storm, Joey Janela, Jeff Cobb. And they did like a big, massive gauntlet tournament. It was pretty. It was pretty cool. I watched like the first two or three episodes. And it was good. It was really no frills, but it's good to see those uh, alternatives out there. But like you said, nothing's competing with WWE. It's just you know a lot of little indie people doing what they can to you know eke out little uh, little bits of little corners of the market.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And I think it's with social media though and everything, there is an opportunity for more. Promoters and stuff to to make a little bit of money, and uh, that doesn't mean necessarily the guys are making any more money. But it's uh, that's a whole different you know conversation. But it's um, I don't know. It's uh, I think it's a, it's a good thing that they're able to run those shows during WrestleMania week. I think it'll be a it can open the door for doors for more things in the future, and, and maybe not always. You know, maybe SummerSlam weekend. You know, they start. Where maybe it's the the big four because if WWE starts running these arenas for their big four pay-per-views on a more regular basis, which only makes sense from a business standpoint, if you can make you know eight million or ten million on a gate over you know one or two million or what, it, it just it just makes sense if, if if the demand is there, and if this can also bring in these other organizations and they could run bigger shows than they've run in the past, it, it allows for hopefully more paydays for the guys and more opportunities for, for wrestlers everywhere. So,
3: Okay, our last story of the night, it was about Martha, Martha Hart. Uh, apparently, a couple weeks ago, Brett had done an interview with uh, the In the Corner podcast, and he referred to Martha, that's uh, Owen's widow, as a very obtuse, square-headed person and accused her of trying to erase Owen's memory. He said that it bothered him, that the fans that loved Owen so much didn't get a chance to remember him. So Martha ended up t- issuing the following statement. The suggestion by Bret Hart that I'm erasing the memory of my late husband, Owen Hart, is reckless, irresponsible, and clearly untrue. Bret's comments are rooted in the fact that I've steadfastly refused to work with WWE to exploit Owen's image for commercial gain. Owen was an incredible entertainer, and I know that his fans around the world enjoyed his wrestling career immensely. I encourage them to continue to do so, but i firm in my belief that WWE was responsible for Owen's death. As a result, I cannot and will not support any efforts by WWE to profit from Owen's memory." Uh, Brett's comments are disrespectful and cruel. It's disappointing that so many in the media have chosen to report them without seeking my perspective. Where Brett may believe, the fact is that far from erasing Owen's memory, i do the last 20 years to celebrating his life in a very public way. Uh, to me, the sad part of the situation has always been that there's a group of fans and Brett himself who you know, don't want to understand that they're still dealing with a grieving family. I mean, Owen was a hell of a talent. He has a hell of a legacy. But you know, it's always like, well, Owen should be in the Hall of Fame. And as a fan, sure, I'd love that, but... You know, at the end of the day, I have to look at that family and say what Martha and his, his sons want. That's got to be more important than what, you know, the fans want, what Brett wants, you know?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, I can't intervene anything with with the family, with Brett and Martha, and it's none of my business. And it's, it's a horrific incident. It's affected all of them with what words can't even do it justice. and I And I have no idea what... Any of them have gone through, and Brett had affected differently, probably than the family, and it affected them all on on, on a very deep level, because um, it was just absolutely just fucking horrific, and yeah. you just the only thing you try to be understanding by all parties. I can understand Brett as far as wanting you know Owen to be in there. And because he deserves, and again, it's it's a made-up thing, but it's to be remembered and to be recognized, but is the Hall of Fame a way for WWE to make money? Absolutely. So, and, and, and perhaps the solution on that is, is, is WWE offering the Hart family a certain amount of money to induct Owen, where, where the family is well taken care of, if that they are profiting on the situation, which... I would believe they would be like they have anybody else that, that for the Hall of Fame, and you know, so because that could be a thing where WWE. I don't know. I don't know if people get paid for that or not. I, I, I and I've heard certain people. I don't know if it was. Um, I can't remember who it was, but they they said they wanted one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to be inducted, and and that's understandable because the company is going to be making a certain amount of money. I don't know how much they make. On any of that. I don't have those 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 numbers.
3: I think I think Bruce Pritchard said it was like five hundred to a thousand dollars if I remember correctly. That they pay the the uh, talents for it. Inductee. Yeah, that's what I remember him, Bruce Pritchard saying.
1: Yeah, so again, that's I would imagine that the, the WWE is making uh, a lot more than for that. Sure. Um, and every talent is different, and every talent is allowed to have a different price point. Some just might want to be recognized. Others might want to be financially, if they because they know the inner workings of everything. Well, and they're just looking at it. They know it's a made-up thing, so they want to be paid for it and whatnot. I think, and it you got to just be understanding of the situation. And it's 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 a really shit situation. It's tough. Owen, of obviously, he's always going to be remembered. It's not like he... It, everyone that knows wrestling knows Owen Hart and and whatnot. And, and but. Whatever It would be nice to see him go in. But at the same time, you can't, you can't be angry about it. You can't because you got to understand the family put yourself in their shoes and what they have gone through and what they go through. And, and, and there's, there's anger and resentment towards the WWE from that family. I'm sure that will never go away. It's, he died under just absolute shit circumstances. And and it's, mistakes happen, What? but it it's, it affected them at a whole other level that we can't understand, and we have to respect that. And it sucks to publicly see anything with a family like that, you know, where they go back and forth like that. But again, everyone's human. Everyone has feelings, and it's just, unfortunately, this day and age, everything gets, especially with Brett, they want to bring up everything with him. And again, and it's not, he's, and they, they try to paint a certain picture sometimes and whatnot, and. It's uh, it's unfortunate because you know he's a good guy and, and it's just it sucks all the way around. But hopefully, this will move on past. In time, the the situation could be rectified, and I think it will at some point. But we, we, we no one knows what what is going on fully. So,
2: JD, I know you being a fellow Canadian. <laughs> well, you know I I can see both sides of it too. I mean, first of all, this going on right now. And probably has been for a while. I mean, it's a it's a family issue. Yeah. So you know, anybody who wants to try and chime in who's not family and thinks their opinion's worth something needs to <laughs> give their head a shake. Um. I, I you know I think Brett's probably coming from the perspective of, you know, in those days the schedule was ridiculous. You know, they were wrestling five, six, seven days a week. There was the double shots. And he saw Owen put in all that work and all that travel. And he saw for years, you know, that Owen took on that schedule in addition to the fact that he was just ultra talented. So you almost probably think, God, you know, that he survived that schedule. And not only did he do what he did with a smile on his face and he did it with all that talent. And, you know, Owen... You know, aside from from Austin, you never really heard of him ever hurting anybody or or, or you know not being safe in the ring, and everybody loved him and sure. and you know Brad's probably like, geez, you know the body of work that he had and just the fact that he did that schedule, goddamn, you know he should be remembered and recognized. But then on the other side, you know if if Martha and and her side of the family truly think or believe that WWE basically killed Owen. Then number one, there's no amount of money that's going to change their minds. Uh, Number two, how, how could anybody want to sit there and argue with her and go, well, come on. What about the fans? Well, sorry, fans, you know, Owen, Owen was a husband and Owen was a father. And that comes before it's the same people that will talk about Benoit. Yeah. And say, well, hey, you know what? Let's just sweep the, the murders under the carpet for a night and let's put him in the Hall of Fame because, goddamn, <laughs> he had so many good matches. Yeah, he had good matches. But at the end of the day, bigger than wrestling is this thing called life. Yep. yep. Re- wrestling's only part of life. Yeah. And it is not life. You got every, they, they have to remember that. So. You know, Owen was a husband. He was a father. He was a brother. He was a son. You know, he was, and th- that's a tight family. And if that's how they feel, they are absolutely entitled to that. And if there's never going to be a resolution, they should just give him a honorary induction into the Hall of Fame with no ceremony and no fanfare, because then that way they're not doing anything that they're going to
3: particularly
2: profit. profit off of. Yeah. You know, just you know, just like. You know, pay, guess what? And, and they should do it at a different time, too, like just at a random point in the year. Say, you know what? We've decided today Owen Hart is going into the Hall of Fame. He deserves it. Uh, due to to the respecting his family, there will be, you know, no ceremony or induction, but he absolutely deserves it. And, Owen, you're in there. And then yeah. that's that. And then, you know. That's not a bad well, what do the fans? Great, yeah. What do what the fans want? I mean, do they want the, some of the hearts on stage telling Owen stories? I mean, you, you can watch all his matches; his memory is alive and well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, some of them that some of them argue <clears throat> as if like you know Owen Hart's career is locked in a box and Martha's got the key, and it's like, fuck you, give us Owen. It's like you can see Owen anywhere and yeah. everywhere if you want to. So having people come on stage and accept an award for what could be, you know, argued as a phony hall of fame in a way. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's all made up essentially. It's what's the, what's the big deal. It's, it's about the, the accolade itself, not the actual, you know, ceremony. So put, make him an honorary, you know, yeah. member of the hall of fame with no fanfare. Well, that, Fuck it. Yeah.
1: And I, cause I think that solves the problem of the family partaking in the event and, avoiding that yep. whole situation altogether and uh, it's a win-win perhaps for everybody if that is the route if that is an option. And on the uh, subject is on the WWE network are, are Owen Hart matches on there currently. Oh yeah, sure. So yeah, you, there's you can no, watch Owen,
3: you can search Owen, sure. there's, YouTube, probably, there's Owen is. collections too, so.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, his name lives on.
2: Well, right, they, well right. they had they had that uh mini documentary Martha uh agreed to that, what was that, a year ago, a year and a half yeah, ago? something okay. like that, yeah. I, I, you know, I thought that was pretty good. It was, I, I personally would have preferred it to be longer because, you know, I think Owen had a career that was worth more than, you know, whatever that documentary was, like an hour or something like that. But, you know, it was something that was new and, and you know, showcased him. I mean, I don't know what more people want.
1: Yeah, I think, again, it's just one of those situations where, Unfortunately, people, like I said, they'll go from one thing to the next bitching about stuff. And it, it's if they could latch on to something, they will. And uh, hopefully this will be resolved as time goes on. That's a great idea on your end, J.D., for that. I think that would be a, perhaps the best thing I've heard on the situation so far. So, Ace, thank you very much as always for the uh, wrestling news. Is there anything you would like to go ahead and and plug before we take our sure. first break
3: you can find Mike Ace malero on criticalblast.com you can follow me on facebook and twitter at skitch nm <laughs> i just want to give a quick shout out to wrestlinginc.com uh, apparently you know every week they obsess about our show and they seem to constantly link to our you know do transcripts of what we say on the show okay and of course of course you got some nasty people in the comments so i end up going in and defending and talking and uh, they've blocked me so uh fuck you wrestlinginc.com oh and, wow uh, really and continue stealing our stuff.
1: <laughs> that is, uh, I was not aware of that. That's un- again, you got to just you, you got to give oh, love yeah. to the people if they're they're hanging out in the comment section leaving negative things. <laughs> it's uh, it's unfortunate, and um, hopefully they can get out of that rut. It's not a good place to be. I could tell you that much. That's no. uh, not that I would know either. So, but it's they should just hopefully wish them nothing but the best. But I can understand your frustrations. God forbid you uh you yeah, you have a good opinion on the show. They uh <laughs> didn't mess up their little sound bites or clips they like to take or edited versions of things and to uh accomplish their headlines. So we wish them the best. But with that, Ace, thank you very much. We're gonna go ahead, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey guys, it's the Big Guy Ryback with Feed Me More Nutrition, and right now we have our summer specials only available on feedmemore.com. Buy one vanilla iso-hungry protein, get the second half off, and buy one cherry limeade, wake up unlimited energy, get the second half off. The Big Guy Testosterone Booster is now back in stock, and check out our finishing Branch chain amino acid electrolyte pump matrix. Great combo specials are also available all summer long. Get hungry, stay hungry, feed me more. We are back, me and JD this week. Asian Joe is on assignment in LA with uh, Alexis Fox doing, I believe, her variety show. Hopefully we will uh, have AJ back next week and be back at full strength. But uh, what's going on, man? How's your week going?
2: Did you uh, hear if he's doing some carpentry out there while he's out in L.A.? I think this
1: one is solely, solely business for Alexis, but it, it could be his mom. His mother's not far. And so if she knows he's near, she may uh, request his services. Handyman Joe. And uh, didn't you, what did you call him last week when we were talking? Joe...
2: Asian Joe Borland. Asian
1: Joe Borland. <laughs> so we, what was it? Last week we were talking, doing the show, and we, we, we took a break. We took our first break, and we're just bullshitting. And we ended up talking for like fifteen, twenty minutes, bullshitting. And we're like, "Fuck, we should have had this on the on the show." But it was you. We I don't remember what we were talking about, but you did the. You called me, saying me we should do a, a YouTube show with uh me and Asian Joe, and you said Asian Joe Borland and Ryback the Toolman Taylor, where I just fuck up everything and Asian Joe has to correct me and fix everything all along the way, and uh, I don't know how we got into it, but I I laughed so hard at that. Oh man, that's uh... you're
2: always you're always making suggestions, and <laughs> he just sits. there all calm, cool, and collective. I don't think so, big guy. <laughs>
1: uh i just do I, I do the demo i'm just the demo guy but i think i know everything about there is in home improvement which clearly i don't and uh that's what we have asian joe there to fix my, fix my mistakes that'd be a very entertaining yeah, show funny.
2: you just walk around with a sledgehammer all the time and that's you know, i have are, literally we this?
1: A, my weight belt is a weight belt for tools where I just have a slot, you make me an extra reinforced weight belt that can actually hold a sledgehammer in the weight belt as a little slot. And that's just that's the only thing, the only tool I have on me.
2: <laughs> Multifunctional supports the back, too, for the big swings.
1: Oh, you yeah, definitely need it at this stage of my life. Until, speaking of which, I have uh, I am still waiting. So this stem cell procedure, it's now going on, it will be three weeks on Wednesday that I saw the doctor, and they were supposed to, my insurance is supposed to be possibly covering this, now my new insurance that I have, and unfortunately though, so the process is, is they needed to see, they got to get the authorization from the insurance. Well, the ladies, there's two ladies that do that there, they haven't done it, and I'm pleading with the, the, the doctor's assistant last week on multiple phone calls, please, I need, like, I'm on a timetable here. I've got some time off. I need to get this done so I could take, because ideally I need to take about two weeks off of weights after I get the stem cells on my back and shoulder just to let everything, just my my body rest again. And then I need ideally three weeks to kind of get back in, in, in hopefully a week, an acclimation week, where I just kind of go... Just light weights, and then I could start turning it up again, and give myself a couple weeks, and or I got to just do one week, and then off, and then slow back into it, ease back into it. But because uh, it's not surgery or anything, it's just injections, like I said, with the stem cells, and but you want to give your body a break while you get them to really those first couple weeks, really, really let them set in. And uh, they haven't got back to me, and the lady, it's like. I'm getting a little frustrated cuz I tried calling them today and you can't get through to the Nevada Spine Clinic. It goes to a voicemail and their mailbox is full. So you can't even get the operator to put you onto the to give you the line to the assistant to cuz there's multiple doctors that work for this place. And it's uh it has been frustrating every time every the doctor's so good though. I've dealt with it because he's amazing. But they they are they they don't have the best customer service as far as Getting this stuff done, and and like the lady, like they, she said, it was when I was there. It was supposed to be, like we were supposed to know that week if they if it was going to be authorized for the insurance if they got authorization because if you do, then I had to get the MRIs scheduled. But we don't want to go, so I got to pay my deductible for the insurance. So if I, we had to cancel the two MRIs I had this week, last week, sorry, because this doctor's office hasn't done their job yet and got the authorization. So I my insurance will cover the MRIs, but I got to pay the deductible. So the MRIs are going to cost like 1600 bucks for MRIs, but I told the doctor we don't need the new MRIs. The doctor just wanted them. We already have 3 MRIs on file. He was just wanted to get the updated ones cuz usually it helps with insurance. I don't need them though to do the procedures. We already know what's wrong. And like it, it it's just like I've improved. I'm about 75%, 80%. And so there's no need to see new MRIs for any of this. But he wanted them. I go, okay, if my insurance is covering this, I got to pay my deductible anyways. So it won't matter because it's the stem cells will, I'll be paying very little in yep. the grand scheme of things. But they haven't got it authorized. So I had to cancel the MRIs. They were supposed to call me back Friday. They never called me back. And then I was told I was going to get a call back today. They never called me back. I couldn't get through so now I'm just waiting. I have no idea what's going on, and I'm losing valuable time because he does the procedures only on Tuesdays. So I don't know if I'll even be able to get scheduled for next Tuesday, which ideally I need to get it done by next Tuesday, because now they're, they, if he's all booked up, there's nothing they could do if he has appointments all day on t- next Tuesday. So it's like I, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm, uh, I got to get him done, and I am. I just, it, it's getting frustrating because it's kind of out of my hands on this, but. Anybody that's ever How done far is it shoot. from you? The uh the doctor's office is uh, he he works out of multiple offices here in town. So he's uh usually I drive clinic, the though. The actual stem cell clinic? Yeah. That is about I would say 20 minutes from my my place. Where uh where that's, they go to do the procedure. That's where their
2: mailboxes full?
1: No. It, it's you can only call the Nevada Spine Clinic. It goes it's weird. It goes to like an operator for Nevada Spine Clinic that's not actually the whatever the off the doctors work out of like four offices here in town. So, what they do is you call this the, the Nevada Spine Clinic and the operator that answers transfers you to that office. And what's happening is now is that, that main number is you can't even get through to anybody and it just sends you to a voicemail. And so, it's just like, and they never they've never once called me back when I've left a message. So it's, uh, it's frustrating to say the least, but and I've told, I tell them this every time. I'm like, you guys know that you really don't have good customer service. And I said, I mean that in all due respect. I said, I go, it's really hard. And they go, we know. We're just, they're, they're undermanned and they're, they have, the doctors are seeing too many people. Which is a, a major problem with a lot of doctor's offices because they're going for volume rather than quality. But again, this guy is amazing with what he does. He, he's a he's a wrestling fan. He knows me. He understands what I'm trying to do, the battle I'm trying to overcome, and he's very supportive of it. And uh, again, he's done seven stem cell treatments on me and he's about to do number eight and number nine. So I just got to be patient and hopefully I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll try my luck again tomorrow and hope to God I can get through because like, they won't even let me schedule it until they know if insurance is covering it, because if insurance isn't covering it, I'm, I'm going to be spending, it's probably going to be between 10 and 12 grand on that. It, it's not cheap. So, but again, it's, it needs to get done. And I, my health is my number one thing that I am, I am after. It is my number one reason for living. You cannot live without health, JD. So I'm, uh, my, my can't. From last I checked, I I believe you can't live without being alive.
2: (laughs) So what if what about tomorrow? If you wake up, you give them a call, and if that doesn't work, what if you pick? Because you said they operate out of uh, four different clinics. What if you drive to the nearest clinic? I mean, at the end of the day, even if the doc's not there, there's going to be some staff there, right? And I mean, Uh, I don't know. No, that's are are they called? Are they calling or fa- or faxing the insurance company? Because if you scroll in, call, there. they
1: were supposed to call. Like that was the end. I've had multiple phone calls with the doctor's assistant, and she doesn't do the authorization. They have two girls, and then one of the girls decided to take off like three days in a row. And I said she can't. She was supposed to call me and just chose not to call me in that time, even before she took the three days off. And I'm just like, I, they knew they knew from day one how the the time schedule on this time frame it It's really frustrating you're dealing with people and and, and they don't necessarily care about their job and, and it's they go there they're probably collecting a paycheck and they it's but authorization it doesn't matter how backed up you are it's now going on three weeks it doesn't take three weeks to get you can they can call and get that information right away, and they have to be the ones that do it unfortunately he's in he's performing the procedures all day tomorrow at the smoke ranch location um which I know that's where I've gone to got it, get them all done. Uh, I might have to wait till Wednesday if I can't get a hold of them. Plus two tomorrow, I got a lot going on, which we'll talk about here. But
2: it's um, it'll get well, sorted out. There are out. people at every location who who would do the billing and or authorization. Uh, no, it's right? crazy. Because this is
1: like a different. Like it's he has his own team around him that travel with him to every location. It's like his one assistant, and it's like. Um, and then the, the two authorization ladies, and I don't know who else he has in his little circle. He has it, the team there, obviously, for the procedure days on Tuesdays and whatnot. But it, it's not, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Everyone has been difficult. Like it, it, it's, And it just happens to be he just does such a good job. I put up with it because I don't know who else, quite frankly. I don't trust any other doctor to inject uh, a, a huge needle into my disc in my middle of my spine in, in multiple locations. And into my shoulder joint. He's helped me so much already that I, and I've told him, I was like, I wish that I had a direct contact with him and it hasn't, we have not gotten to that, that point yet, but hopefully we get it sorted, but I got it. To, like tomorrow, I was telling you, I got, I got to wake up early and get my training in tomorrow. I got to do the keeping it 100 podcast with Conan and disco at two fifteen my time tomorrow. So stay tuned for that coming out. That should be a good, a nice little deal. And then I have, I got to take a call with the marketing team tomorrow for feed me more nutrition on some upcoming things, Um, switching the website over to Shopify to make the the checkout process a little smoother, a little easier. And uh, we had a meeting with the Facebook vice president, actually, they did, and uh, with some tips on everything uh, on on the Facebook ads and and the website and kind of linking that up and making sure everything is firing on all cylinders. So... We got to go over all that tomorrow, and then I told you I'm recording a um, "Feed Me More Nutrition" social media. This is going to be for YouTube because we're going to start running ads on on YouTube. And uh, obviously, I I got one video. Me and you have talked about where I'm going to actually. I have all the different supplements, the bottles of the ingredients in Shell Shock Extreme Fat Burner, nine different bottles, and I'm gonna we're going to visually show people. All the ingredients that goes into to one bottle of Shell Shock Extreme Fat Burner, which is by far my number one best selling product and uh, is really really taken off. So uh, we are fully getting behind that. But we want to film a commercial where and to to, to visually paint a picture for our audience out there. We're going where again. You can't like say, oh, we're going to try to do a viral video or anything like that." But it, you, you try to be like I listened to interviews you you sent me an interview with Billy Jean this Billy Jean is marketing guy who's who's done very well for himself and and he was on the Andy Andy's Andy, Andy Frisella, Yeah the MFCEO podcast and I listened to that whole thing and again they're talking about you, you social media ads and you want to be entertaining at the end of the day and and sometimes it's tough especially with supplements because you want to educate people and show them that what you have, but at the same time, you need to have maybe a mix of different things. So this is going to be more of an entertainment type ad where uh, I will have a 320-pound female, very lovely lady, who will uh, be partaking in this this shoot where uh, she's standing by the pool in a, bath- a nice, lovely bathing suit, if you could picture this, and... Uh, doing a little promotion for the Shell Shock Extreme Fat Burner, when out of nowhere all you hear is, feed me more with a loud picture water boy uh, screaming as he's tackling somebody as uh, the big guy Ryback in singlet, full bore, gives her a meat hook into the pool, where then a beautiful, lovely, fit trim in shape User of Shell Shock Extreme Fat Burner comes out of the pool and uh, closes up the advertisement with a little dialogue, and uh, Shell Shock Extreme Fat Burner works every time, and then a little Feed Me More Nutrition logo, and uh, we'll get that all edited and put together, and we're gonna get it out there, and we're gonna just see, we're just gonna, we're throwing things at the wall, JD, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, we move on to the next idea, but it's just, uh, it's a fun, entertaining video. And at the end of the day, I get to meet hook a 320-pound woman in the pool. So that's a good day at the office.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can't really complain about that one. I mean, you you have to throw things out there. And, uh, you know, actually, the other day I was watching something on YouTube, and the there was a three-minute intro. It was an ad, and it was the, the Billy Jean is marketing guy. And I actually watched the whole ad because – he had a whiteboard on a patio. and
1: <laughs> Yeah, I've seen part of was, that, actually.
2: Yeah, and he was explaining everything, and then like he walked off the ad, and then it was you know the end, and he came back on, and he says, oh, and I bet you guys are wondering why I did this in my backyard so you could see the house and the view. And he said, because if I didn't have something in the beginning to catch your attention, you wouldn't have watched this. He goes, and unfortunately, you care more about my backyard and house than I do, that's why you watched it. Peace out. And it's true, like you know, we, we see that stuff all the time with cars and, and uh, you know, luxurious things on social media, and sometimes it seems, you know, like Ty Lopez, we were talking about how all the videos he did, but it was the one in his garage, garage when he had two cars, the Lambo and, and the Ferrari, and he had that bookshelf, and it was all those books, and he started, I can't remember the, you know, the exact verbiage, but he was talking about how the most valuable thing in that garage were the books on the shelf and people were like, Oh yeah, fuck this guy's so full of shit. But then he goes on to explain and he's picking and choosing certain books and and telling you what he learned. And he's got this all, you know, probably memorized because he's,
1: I believe he's a Mensa member.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's probably one of the guys that doesn't have to read off of uh, anything when he's talking, but and that and that was a long video. That video was, uh, oh geez, it was well over a half an hour. I think the original one it was long as shit. And I watched the whole thing, and I was like, I felt like I learned a lot from it. And that was my first introduction to about. him, also. Yeah, a lot of people, I think. He,
1: because uh, I didn't watch. I I don't watch a lot of ads on there or anything. I get it. Like it's tough, and like a lot of people don't watch ads. And so you really—that's what—that's kind of the premise behind this video. It's just doing something to catch people's attention. Now, is that going to be the ad that sells the product? Maybe not, but it it puts the the name, the brand in people's heads. And if it's if it's watched at a high level, and and again, and so it's just trying along those same lines because you, you, you never know until you do it. You got to just try different videos, and you got to try. It's really hard to stand out now. With There's so much content, and it's... But at the, the end of the day, in the Billy Jean, he goes, educate them and be entertaining. And I got the education videos out there kind of educating people on the ingredients and things of that nature. So we're going to... Now we're going to throw a little entertainment in there, big guy style, and see... Because, uh, you know, let's let's be honest. I, I feel like everybody wants to three, see a 320-pound woman get clotheslined into a pool. I think it's... <laughs> It's like, what will Ryback do next? Or either that, or it's it's the headline: Ryback attacks 320 pound woman in video, something which just helps it even further. But
2: fat, you'll be you'll be fat shaming if you. Uh, yeah,
1: Ryback you attacks know. 320 pound, quote unquote, fat woman.
2: But sh- you know, it, it's hard to market now because you know everybody's so creative. A lot, another aspect a lot of people forget is everybody puts up stupid shit online, whether they're putting it up on YouTube, whether it's a 30 second or a one minute video on Instagram, right? So now, you, you know, you could sit there and say, Oh, you know what? I got the perfect idea, and you haven't seen anybody else who's actually marketing do it but somebody else will have already made a YouTube video that's got 2 million views doing that stupid fucking thing and they're not selling right. anything they just put, you know what i mean like so you ha- you have insane amount of of competition but the way i look at it is i i think of it as it needs to be infotainment yeah it it has to be informative but it has to be entertaining but at the same time you know do you do everything promo style? Because that's going to appeal to certain people, yep. but other people are going to be like, why is this, wrong guy this guy talking guy? like, yeah, well, no, is he talking like a wrestler? Are these supplements for like wrestlers or, you know, like, so there's a like, fine yeah. line there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a fine line there. So no,
1: that's a lot it. of trial and error, man. I'm telling you, that's one of the hardest. I'm beyond thankful for my wrestling fan base and audience. They have made this transition to this world. You know, a lot easier the first year and a half in. Same time, there's huge obstacles in in in, in like I've we've spoken about pro wrestling. It's really hard sometimes in other areas to be respected because pro wrestling doesn't translate to any other stuff in life. And uh, as far as how it's viewed, even though it's acting and entertainment, and some guys are better at it than others as far as the acting goes and whatnot, but. And, uh, but there's always been this stigma with pro wrestling. It's like, well, what does that guy know? He's just a big, dumb pro wrestler. And that and it's happened to a lot of guys and it, it's not easy to overcome. Can it be overcome? 100% it can, but it takes time and it takes patience and persistence. And it's, uh, that's one of the things where it's like you have the wrestling fan base and you want them to, you they, you want them to see you as part of who you are. And on the other end, you're trying to educate an entirely new audience on on your brand and your products and not do that. And it, it's really, it takes time. And it, it is going to, again, like I said, it's going to be, not every video will be wrestling related. This one will be more of a little bit of a wrestling one. And uh, and it's not going to be me, you know, cutting a promo promo in it or anything of that nature. But it's just trying different things and. Tonight, later on, we're going to be talking about our fairly soon overcoming fears for our little our main topic of conversation for day, for today's show, this week's show, and whatnot. And that's one of the things I've learned. You just got to just just do it. That's why I'm a big fan of Nike. I love the "just do it" motto. Sorry, I'm oh, yeah. eating a pro- protein cookie. I actually, uh, if anybody, Let I'm sure nurse? we'll get complaints. Of, we'll hear you chewing your cookie on. Blah, blah, blah the for the angry tweets we should do an angry tweet of the week every week that i feel like is always good for one of those but uh i got these i got a new pair of nike air maxes it's vm uh there are new there are new kind of air max that i've never seen before the air pockets on these things it's like the air pockets are big from front to back it's like walking on little mini trampolines where I've never felt so much. It actually makes me uncomfortable walking. I've got to get used to them. It's only my second time walking on them, but they literally push off when you walk. Like you could. They're performance enhancing shoes, like one hundred percent. Like if I was gonna, if I was gonna, you told me ride right back tomorrow at the track. You're racing so and so, and it's on. Like I'm in these fucking shoes right here. And that's like these, and and nobody knows any different. It's uh. I don't know what they did, how they did it or what they, but it is, it's, it is the, the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn. And I, I'll get the exact name. I think I posted them. I don't know if I posted them on my IG stories uh, a while back, but it's when I, they, uh, the guy at the gym buddy I was talking to today, he goes, man, those shoes are nice. We were sitting there bullshitting for a little bit and I go, bro, I go, they're like, walk, they're like walking on little trampolines. They just the spring in these things is incredible. And he's just like, man, you know, I like showed him the air pockets. Like, look, look at the air pockets on these things. And he's like, wow. But Nike, I, I'm always, that's why, that's one of the, like, the one brand where I, I affirm, I fucking love their message. Like, I'm a, I am a Nike guy all the way. Like, I'm not a guy that's like brand. I'm not all about that typically. But Nikes are one thing that I'm, I'm fully behind them. That's all I wear. If you've ever seen me out, Nike Air Maxes. Ever since I broke my ankle, that was the one shoe that really helped me, I felt, with uh, my ankle situation or whatnot. So, big Nike fan.
2: So, what you're saying is, even if you don't have a booking, the next day, if you wear those shoes, you'll still have some spring in your step. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Speaking of bookings, I actually am going to be... at. If you're in Niles, Ohio, if it, or anywhere in that vicinity, I don't know what else is around. I believe I'm flying into Canton. So, Canton, Ohio. I'm going to be performing this Saturday, July 21st, it, uh Northeast Wrestling's Wrestling Under the Stars at Eastwood Field. 5 p.m. meet and greet, 7.30 bell time. I'm taking on uh, Dylan Bostic, a rematch from 2012 when I kicked his ass as a local enhancement talent back in my... Undefeated days he's uh, he's been asking for a rematch and the uh, promoters that be have booked it So this has been six years in the making he's been running his mouth and the big guys coming to Niles, Ohio to shut it and uh, Looking forward to that, but we got Ray Mysterio there Jack Swagger Teddy Long Ron Simmons and uh, Dylan Bostic and I believe a couple uh, a couple other big names as well, coming out there along with all the Northeast Wrestling superstars who, that are very, very talented. So, looking forward to that, getting in the ring and then uh, hopefully get the stem cell for the, apply the uh, part of that match fee to, to these stem cells and uh, get back so I could hopefully be the last, be uh, the last stem cell procedures I get and be close to 100% going into 2019. But, uh, cause I got a busy schedule, I think end of August, September, mid September to through December is every week. So I need to make sure I'm feeling good. I'll see how I feel through that end of that. And I, these stem cells will probably be something I'll get done every six to eight months, I think for probably the rest of my life. <laughs> Just keep trying to get optimal health. But,
2: well, I mean, Hey, if they help and, uh, you know, as long as you're still wrestling, even if you do get back to a hundred percent, there's still abuse. Yeah. So there's there's going to be new damage, you know, in some way, shape, or form. It's not going to be the same as before because a lot of what happened before was because you were working all these huge guys and picking them up and that, bumping the with them and whatnot. Done, yeah. But now it's, you know. You, I always feel like, and I think I said this with your ankle once you have an injured area, even when you get back to a hundred percent, I always feel like that area is never uh, little little fragility for anybody out there who can remember that reference.
1: <laughs> no, I don't
2: disagree with that necessarily
1: i again uh this is avoiding surgery though, so where I've you know had I went in there and had four of my disc fused and whatnot and got my shoulder replaced, pretty much done. <laughs> that's
2: game over. Game yeah.
1: over. Yeah. That that's again, beyond grateful that and just that I, I everything worked out the way that it did because um I'm getting a second chance to now have the brain and know and, and the experience and get through it. Had had gotten through it realized what has damaged me and hurt me. Learn from that and not make those same mistakes. Not, not like you said, they're still wear and tear and damage from, from any wrestling match. But I, I did some severe damage doing some of the things I was doing. Catching guys off the top rope night in, night out. Doing the, the backpack stunner. I caused severe compression on my disc that from the when I'm my young twenties all the way to about thirty, doing that backpack stunner, I did it. I did it my first year on the Independence. I go back and see some of the matches, and I I, I know there was a match with Brian Cage, and I did that goddamn backpack stunner. I was right before my stem cells, and I just remember how much pain I was in. I remember doing a a, a show out there and going to the hotel room. And walking in and carrying my bags in and being nearly crippled and just thinking, like, what the fuck am I doing with myself? Like, like, just not knowing how much longer I was going to be able to do this. It's a scary feeling, man. It's all I've done for my adult life. And uh, like I said, but having the time to be able to find these other ways to make a living outside of wrestling... Has been very valuable. I've been forced to essentially, which is is a blessing because I love being physical. Fuck, I most people I probably should just say fuck it. Let that's I you know move on, but I can't. I, I I truly can't. I love being physical, and I and it's all I've ever known my entire life. And I'm trying to get my body back to beat it up again, and, it, and hopefully not at the level that I did before and whatnot. But it is. Uh, Man, what an experience it's been. That's for sure. I, I, I truly am concerned too. That Ember Moon girl. I I wish somebody would smarten her up. And 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 her doing that stunner off the top rope night in and night out. I I it. She's not going to feel it right now. Her discs are going to get worn away though. And it is that's the bad stuff like that. I just I wouldn't wish upon anyone. It, it's such a deep weak feeling in your spine and then you start getting the nerve stuff and the nerves firing in your legs and it's fucking scary man it's um
2: i don't know it's a whole nother level from from you know i remember early on in my career you have bumps and bruises and you know maybe a pulled muscle or a strained muscle or you know your back is sore but you're not even thinking about discs or nerves nope. or anything like that you're just Never. like oh i need to ice my back or i need to get the heating pad or you know my knee's a little bit swollen or man I, you know i can't bend my thumb but it's okay i'll just whatever and you know it, it isn't until years later you know and i don't know for you but for me it was a chiropractor you know and we it was actually in louisville because we got free chiropractic care and uh with ovw and yeah they did up. They did updated X-rays, and the guy's like, "You have arthritis, like your whole spine, everywhere, yeah. and your hi- and and your hips." And uh, you know, because he, a lot of the OVW guys that he had saw were they hadn't been wrestling that long. And at that point, I'd been wrestling seven or eight years. And he's like, "How do you have so much?" And I said, "Well, you know, I've been wrestling longer." And he's like, "How long do you plan on wrestling?" Yeah. And I said, I don't know, in, until I get to where I want to go or, or whatever. And he's like, well, I can't tell you what to do, but I would advise you to seriously take this into consideration. He's like, you know, I don't know how I w- old I was at the time. It was about 10 years ago, so I was probably 24, 25. And he's like, if you have this much arthritis in your back now, you don't want it to be when you're 40 or 45. That you can't even go to the gym because you have crippling pain he goes it's literally from your hips to the to your uh i think he said it was my the atlas in your neck yeah Is that what it's called yeah and i just remember i was like wow it was like sort of like my first real uh wake-up call because you can't see it it's not it doesn't show itself no
1: and most wrestlers and, we don't know, we don't want to get mris or x-rays well, a lot uh, of them can't even afford them. That that too, and a lot, and I'm talking even at the WWE level, the, at the the highest level. Guys, don't we? You don't get checked out. You don't want to. You don't want to know. You don't want to know. You're you're so caught up in that week to week lifestyle. You don't want to go on your day off and then find out like that you should take time off because you don't want to lose your quote unquote spot or. You know what I mean? Or, or the pays that you're currently getting working in those good spots or if wherever you're at, you're comfortable at. And it's, uh, it's scary because that's where the real damage is done over time. And I learned that. And again, I'll never make that mistake ever again as far as not. I was always trying to take care of myself and, and did everything. But you when you're dealing with disc and joints, arthritis and wear and tear, and it, you're, it's not just a muscular thing. It's, like you said, disc, nerves, and all that—it's a whole other level, and cartilage. And uh, once that stuff goes, you typically there's no coming back from that. And uh, caught it just in time because it's again the best I've been in years. So, but it's scary, man. Like you, you hear the doctor, like you'll see a doctor. I same thing along the lines of what you just said. When I first left WWE and had my first MRI on my shoulder and they sent me to this other guy and he said, uh, he goes, what the fuck are you doing? And I go, what do you mean? He goes, why the fuck are you doing this to your body? He goes, do you want to like live like a good life when you're older and and be able to enjoy life? And I said, I, I, that's why I'm here. I I said, I've realized I've, you know, my shoulder at the time I said, in all fairness, I said, I was getting cortisone shots two to three times a year, and I was told that was all right. And I I said, uh, from everything I'd saw, they said don't really go over two or three a year. And the side effects are, you know, not what some of them could be. Unfortunately, it did a lot of damage to me. It ate away all my cartilage when they were giving it to me in my shoulder joint. And uh, and that caused a lot of other problems. So where there's just a little left and we've regrown quite a bit of it, but it's still, it's hopefully with this next round of stem cells, we'll be able to, injecting it into the bone, be able to grow the cartilage in the other areas where we need to grow. But my shoulder, again, is one thing where I can I could wrestle with that. And it, it just sucks from a little bit to hear that grinding from time to time. But it, it's not nothing you can't live with the back. It was definitely something that you can't, there was no working through this at some point. It was like either get it fused or you got to try something. And luckily, the stem cells have worked, So,
2: Well, fused is not even like, you know, you can get operations on your shoulder or you can get a shoulder replacement. It's not the same as having discs fused or just back surgery in general. I mean, they tell you for a lot of procedures, there's a 50-50 chance that you're going to come out worse afterwards because everything is so delicate in there that when they go in with the instruments and they have to move things around and get to where they're going that a lot of times they'll go in to fix damage but they have to cause damage Yep,
1: absolutely and right.
2: it, you know it, it, i remember the 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 ovw chiropractor you know it was a bit of a wake-up call but when i got to tampa did you ever see the fcw chiropractor
1: I don't. I saw a Cairo out there eventually. I I didn't like. I I have my guy in Vegas. I go to now. I'm a lot bigger on on more, especially when I was wrestling every week. Going, I was always coming off the road and going in, get my hips back aligned. But I didn't go to a to Cairo's too often back then. Back in those days,
2: there was a the guy here. He did the Yankees, <laughs> and. Couple of the FCW guys who who uh, were getting their their gear through me. They said you got to go see this doc. I wish I could remember his name and throw him a plug. And he did the same thing as the OVW doctor, where he was treating the FCW guys for free. But I wasn't in FCW, so I went and talked to him, and he said, "Oh well, I'll call over there and and see." And I was like, "Well, they're gonna say no." And I went in for a second visit. And he said, oh, I called over there. You're good to go. And I'm like, "I, I to this day, I have no <laughs> Still idea. Still don't, if, yeah. Uh, I, know who, I don't know who he talked to that said I was part of FCW, but I got free chiropractor. And we started I, doing... I feel like Kern, Steve Kern answered the phone and was probably in a hurry.
1: And the Cairo called and, yeah, 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 whatever, yeah. And fucking, you're good to go.
2: Uh, yeah, I have no ideas. I remember some of the guys that would go, they're like, oh, yeah, if he asks me, I'll totally tell him that you're there. But... He um you know he worked on the Yankees and he worked on some of the Lightning and some of the Buccaneers and I just remember one time I was uh having a problem with one of my hips and so I'm on the table and I'm face down and um he could really tell and he came around to where my head was and he said I could ask you a question. He goes I never talk money with any of the wrestlers and stuff. I goes I don't want to know, it's none of my business. He goes is this really worth it though? And I said what do you mean? He goes, "You're a mess." And he goes, "I can fix it." And he goes, "But this is something that's going to require maintenance at all times." He goes, "You've, you know, for a young guy, he goes, "You've got a lot of wear and tear." And he goes, "There's areas here." He goes, "Your your hips and your neck." He's like, "You don't want to be dealing with replacements or or major operations in these areas." He's like, "You just you don't." He goes, There's gotta be something else you can do for money. And I mean, you don't wanna hear that. You know, you're sitting there at Doc, this is my passion. I love this shit. We wrestle hurt. This is what we do, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, it's one thing for him to not have that conversation with one of the Yankees and they're making 10, 15 million bucks a season or something like that. But when he he's like, I've seen the guys, he goes, you know, obviously referring to the FCW guys, he was they're not making very much money. He goes, I don't know what they're making, but they're not. I mean, they're making what, five hundred bucks a week, I think. Yeah. At that time. Yep. And Sounds he just thought it was almost ridiculous that one wouldn't try and find another way to make money given the amount of abuse that he was seeing. And it just it it really stuck with me with him because every time I would see him, he would say something about it and you're right you really realize listen this guy's a fucking doctor he's working on these multi-million dollar athletes so clearly the trust is there if he's telling you something he's not trying to shit in your cornflakes and ruin your dreams and you know he's genuinely concerned and you have to take that advice no you do and like you've seen like i don't remember
1: gail kim just recently, I think she retired and she was saying she had the disc issues in her back. And I think a lot of wrestlers, especially with this current generation and, and a lot of the things going on, is uh, this stuff doesn't always show its face right off the bat. It, it, it tends to do it later on. And, you know, if we could learn from uh, our mistakes and others' mistakes, and, and like I said, I, I did a lot of my damage doing that backpack stunner and, and taking ass bumps, and I think... I, and I see a wrestler take an ass pump. I cringe every time now because I'm just. Th- like, it's just not worth it. There's so many other things you could do and not put your body in that position and, 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 and at that risk. And because when we're older, once this stuff again with technology, we we can we have some things where you can kind of, if you catch it in time. But if you don't, there's you know, there's really nothing you could do outside of once you get stuff fused and. You're not going to be doing it anymore and whatnot, and you're not the same. So, but man, I think we go ahead. I think we take we take one more break here and we come back, talk about overcoming fears. A little conversation on fears. Everybody has them, but you gotta you gotta put courage above fear. And uh, we're gonna talk about that a little bit coming back from these. We're messages. We talk about sharks. Fuck you, JD. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: I am the ultimate ryback, back and I'm here to tell you about Feed Me More Nutrition. It is the ultimate premium in sports nutrition. Wake up, unlimited energy. I take it non-stop, and I have all the unlimited energy from the gods above my blood. My, my skin, the energy is pouring through my system. The big guy, all natural testosterone booster will be giving you erections to the heavens. And if you need propane, propane builds muscles upon muscles. My I. So, hungry, premium grass-fed, prebiotic, and hand whey protein, isolate is what you need. Fat burn body fat with shell shock extreme fat burner, the most powerful fat burner on the market today. Be <laughs> me more nutrition, Say 10%. With Podcast 10, available on FeedMeMore.com and Amazon.
1: And we are back. The uh, Before we jump into overcoming fears and just talking about fear a little bit, I was telling you, we're always good for an angry tweet every week. We were just talking. The, uh, we had a nice one this week. From a gentleman who uh, has has gotten on before, gotten on me for one running out of townhouse and making money that I must be really hard up for money because I bought a townhouse to run out to uh, start my real estate venture, which I am now reading uh, some books on apartments and uh, starting to to look at some fourplexes and and see what I have to do to move into that avenue. I don't want a bunch, I wanted a single property to get a little bit of experience, and obviously
2: the Airbnb thing thing fell through, but with the... Fuck you, Ryback, right yeah. you mean move into the apartments, right, because you're hard up for money?
1: Yeah, yeah, and then the, the cameo thing, because it's fun to cut promos and do videos for people and make them happy, and make a little extra, you know, money on the side doing that, as in, if I went back, which there's WWE people that do it, there's... Celebrities all around the world that do it. Famous athletes that are all on these on Cameo and some of the other video, uh, personal video things. Which, again, what are you hard up for money? You got to do videos. No, it's, it's called taking advantage of, of your position and where you're at and maximize. It's called hustling and it's work. And, the, and you're doing something good and people get enjoyment out of it and it allows you to interact with them and it allowed everybody wins. And how they fail to understand that, that's another thing, like I said, if I ever went back to wrestling on TV, I, would, I wish I would have started that stuff my first year in wrestling, because it's just such a great way, and you could do things with that, and you, it just gives you more opportunities. But this the, the same character was again now stressing over the fact that, uh, hey he, i did, i did a post earlier today on social media licenses with mark for life which we've talked about the social media licenses and it's we're very early on on this stuff and just it, it, it's not like a driver's license or anything but where there's accountability and for fake writers and people that shouldn't be writing articles on people where people would be held accountable with this kind of stuff and we would put rules in place and and there's some rules on social media but you can get banned on one thing and create another account on another and it's Where there would actually be legit rules and a system in place for the internet. And it's just to get people talking, to start putting the idea out there and let the powers that be putting that idea into the universe. It's nothing more than that. And then where he was so angry, you're overthinking it, Ryan. And uh, by the way, get Phoenix back on the show. JD's boring. And there there was more words than that, but that sums it up. And I'm just thinking, this same guy, all I see from him is him bitching and complaining. It's like, don't listen to the show. Or, you know, just don't comment. Just move on. Go listen to another podcast. It's a free show. You're literally bitching about a free show. And it, it like why are you putting yourself through the misery of listening to something that makes you so angry? You know, it's just... And then you feel the need to try to... Because like, his other tweets have been very insulting. This one wasn't. Uh, this was the the, the least harmful of, of of the bunch. But it's like, you're listening to a show constantly, clearly that you have issues with. Move on. Go listen to another podcast. No hard feelings. And hopefully you don't leave any harsh messages or mean messages to those people when you get sick of whatever they're talking about or whatever. So... You're never going to please everybody, folks. Never. And if, you, if that's how you live your life, your life will be royally fucked. And so you just got to do what you do. It makes you happy. Try to help people in the process, which we have a lot of those on this show. A lot of people that have changed their lives and whatnot. So it's uh, I just found that the angry tweet of the week. And we're not going to give him any credit or anything and acknowledge him, but he knows who he is. Because I know you're it listening. Actually, I you know, know what? you're listening, just, to you son of a bitch.
3: Sitting in your car mu- listening
1: to my voice talking to you on your loudspeakers, huh? You like the big guy talking to you? Not going to say your name. Oh, you want me to say your name? Fuck off.
2: <laughs> just gave me a good idea for marketing. We were talking about Nike earlier. We need to come up with a shirt that says, just don't. <laughs> yeah. Just don't. Wait. Just can don't, we- don't listen. Just don't write a fucking nasty comment. Just don't hang out in the comments section. Just don't be negative. Just don't follow that person.
1: I'm usually not just big on the negatives, on encouraging the negative, but I feel like that's a really good t-shirt idea that yeah, I may have to just, submit to Amazon this don't week.
2: Do just don't do it.
1: <laughs> just don't. Just don't Fuck. do it. Yeah. Just don't, and there's a keyboard underneath it.
2: <laughs>
1: that might be it. Just don't. <laughs> oh man. And speaking of which, all right. Overcoming fears, JD. This week. I just wanna like to do stuff where we can kind of talk about our experience and we're not experts by any means on on anything. We're just people with life experience that have lived a life that have and obviously everybody has fears and And I think it's a really, I think it's something that really hinders a lot of people and and stops us from, from reaching our true potential on a lot of things, because especially with social media now too, it ties into all of it. And, and people are so judgmental and always criticizing. And and sometimes we often think, well, I'd rather avoid that. But we sometimes in thinking that way, we miss out on doing something that we truly want to do and truly want to experience. And it's really unfortunate. And, And we live and fear has always existed. And, and but out of fear, some of your greatest moments can truly be had and, and, and just overcoming. and just wanted to have a little discussion tonight on maybe some things we were fearful of or, or whatnot. And um, I've dealt with it. you know, I had fears with wrestling, I had fears um, growing up on different things, and, and obviously fears of that we brought into light of recent episodes of a conversation with the big guy that we've, uh, we've talked about. again, flying prime example like we said I have I have fears of flying and things but I in order I, I have overcome them each and every time and uh, in order to live my life and, and I've been to some amazing places and uh, been all around the world because of planes and so there's a lot of good from that and ex- I've experienced a lot and, and, and you know had I you know let that fear of planes you know rule me wouldn't have never been a WWE superstar Would never because I I wouldn't have been able to do the travel, you know, and and things of that nature, and 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 it would have if so. Fear can be truly overpowering, and and we all have it, and we all experience it at different levels and whatnot. I still think fear of water and not going in the ocean. I think it's a good idea. That's one thing I'm okay letting fear rule on. I've been in the water. I've I've gone in the ocean. I just limit how much I'm in it and when I can. And there's nothing out there that I need, you know, that I'm missing out on in my mind. So, But there's other things that we, that we, we let that, that fear just overwhelm us. And what are your thoughts, JD, on fear? What, what are you fearful of? What, is, what are some things that you've had to overcome with fear?
2: Overcome well, with fear. Fear, is, fear is one of those things. Like you said, it exists for everybody. Anybody who says that they don't have any fears... I don't know if I would believe them um, unless they've conquered all of their fears, but then there's gotta be something. And it's one of those things where it'll turn your stomach. It'll make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. It'll make you get the cold sweats depending on what it is. And it's very easy to go the other way. And you don't learn anything other than how powerful that fear is. And, you know, I remember as a kid, my biggest fears at that time, I mean, I was fucking afraid of sharks, too, told you, with <laughs> jaws and stuff like yeah. that. And, uh, but when I, in my early teens, my biggest fear was actually rejection by girls. Really? Yeah, because I was able to be friends with them very easily, and I had this fear. It was like a phobia of the word no. And if I was to, you know, because I don't know what kind of lingo you guys used, uh, you know, when you were early teens and stuff like that. But you didn't ask some, you know, somebody to be your girlfriend. You would just say, would you go out with me? And then, like, you were boyfriend, girlfriend, yeah. right? And by
1: the way, just to point this out, and for, for younger listeners out there, back in our day, back in our day, you actually had to go up and talk to the woman. You couldn't just send them an IG direct message. And, and yeah. you know what I mean? You actually had. To, then you had to actually ask them for their phone number. Whole different fucking oh, yeah. ball game. So yeah, just yeah, throwing that, that out there. You don't
2: know how lucky you, you got want, it now. You, you didn't want it to be awkward in person. Like, if the, like say I knew the girl and I was already friends with her, I would try to pick a moment, like maybe at a school dance or something like that. And, but then the fear would even get even higher because I'm like, oh no, what if she says no and like everybody's around? But then there'd be the other time where you didn't know the girl and you'd see, you know, you'd scope her out and you'd stalk her for a couple of weeks, like when she go to her locker and shit. And uh, it's like, well, I. Sounds like stalking, JD. Well, it sure was. (laughs) You know, (laughs) by the way, if there's any like rippling noises and stuff, it's my couch. I'm not farting. Um, But you would scope them out. And you go, well, I got to make a move and go ask for her phone number. You weren't going to sit there typically and strike up this conversation with somebody you don't know because you don't want that awkward in-person. You want that break the ice over the phone, which then there would be the other thing, too, man. I mean, this is just for me. Like I remember dialing those seven goddamn digits, and it was like... As you got past the first three, the last four, you're dialing a little slower. Yeah. A little slow. That first <laughs> oh man, I, I
1: I know. I I remember I have I've forgotten how it used to be almost with the way the way how it's so
2: stressful at that point, man. It,
1: it it's all or nothing because of the fear of rejection.
2: Yeah. And uh it's kind of ironic how my adult is. life has turned out because you know, once I started working out and taking care of myself, and I'm not trying to put myself over, but I basically for my entire adult life never had to approach another girl again. I feel like you've done all right for yourself.
1: If we were to take the old Iron Attitudes quote-unquote weight belt, I feel like uh, you got a lot of notches
2: in that weight belt. You got a, you got a small I waist. Would- that leather would not be supportive. There would be. <laughs> <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're,
1: <laughs> looks like, what is it? The, the Swiss cheese?
2: Yeah. <laughs> so that was my, uh, you know, cause I had, it, it's funny because I had a fear. I think part of my rejection fear was the fact that I was only partially comfortable with who I was as a person. Yeah. I was I knew I was, like, a good person. I never really got into trouble. I played sports all the time. So I had tons of confidence when it came to sports. Like, I could be in a certain class and be nervous. But, or, and I, you know, I can't even look at the girl. But, oh, shit, look, it's gym class time. Well, fucking now I'm going to turn yeah. it on because it's gym class, right? And You're I can confident. look at her all day long and watch me run fucking laps around the track and field. And, but it was just crippling at times and you know when i did get a no it didn't just knock me down like it fucking put me six feet under it felt like and then it really made me hesitant to ask again and did you get told no a lot was that something that was a regular thing i wouldn't say well i mean i didn't make a habit of asking people out here goes the hockey stick uh all the time but you know probably like once a year from age, I don't know, 12 to or 13 to 17 kind of thing. Like there's, there's probably three or four real good rejections in there. And, uh, you know, they, uh, they scarred me at the time. Cause you know, I have a funny at some story point, too. On throw this. me a fucking bone, like throw me a yeah. fucking bone here. Like, you know, and nope, no bones. That's funny. You brought that up. Cause I brought, I have
1: a couple of like, things just fear wise for me, that. But... But to to stay on this uh, funny little story, I remember, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but there was, I remember my freshman year in college, there was, at the Community College of Southern Nevada, there was this girl, Ashley, in there, and she was beautiful. And I remember, like, she was always looking over, that I was looking over. You know when you know that there, oh, is there something there? I feel like... (laughs) Made eye contact a few times. And uh, I, but I missed that window of opportunity of where it got awkward, of where there was no conversation. And like, I always sat, like I'd get to class, never like had the opportunity, like never sat by her. And then I never was like the kind that I would like try to wait and like try to time it or anything. And I remember like, I was like, I really want to fucking talk to this girl. And I finally, like I hyped myself up one day. And I remember I was I was like this is the day this is, it has to be it was like going into the weekend and I was like I think we had I don't know if there was like a, a break in classes there was something where there was a gap and I was like it has to be it has to be today I, there's no more waiting and uh, I froze and didn't and I but we Ooh. we were walking to our cars after class and we were parked near each other perfect opportunity walking by her fucking froze again and now now, I'm, now I'm, hot. I'm hot, I'm fucking hot at myself. I'm cursing at myself in the car. We're driving, we're driving out of the community college, and I just said, fuck it. I said, what the fuck am I doing? And I literally pulled up right next to her, told her to roll down her window, and I got her phone number right there. And uh, <laughs> it was the worst place, JD, that I could have I literally stopped, and there's cars behind us, but I was like, I'm not leaving this parking lot. I'm getting this phone number, and I did. And it's, um, I think she ended up going to California that week, and we talked for a while. And uh, I think we were just friends after, and just it was, but like it was just overcoming that that fear. And uh, and I, it, I, it had won several times, but I finally, I remember that was a, that was a victory because that one got awkward,
2: stopping her in my fucking car roll down the window
1: hey can i have your phone number hey i'm ryan
2: you know what's funny too is you know i think a lot of people i certainly did you start off with like this fear or whatever it is but it in your mind it becomes bigger and worse like the way you picture it going down and, and you make it worse and then when you actually do go and conquer that fear like, I remember there being the odd time, too, you know, just hopping back to girls there where it's like, oh, God, oh, God. like, you know, you don't know the girl at all. You've never even spoken to her, and you got to go ask her for her phone number. You can't really, you know, in those days, you just, that's sort of how you started talking. Can't and slide into
1: her DMs like today.
2: It's not yeah, the same. You don't, you don't, you didn't know what she's like. She kind of looks a little bitchy, but that makes her kind of sexy. So, like, I don't, like, what the fuck? And then you go up and, hey, I'd like to give you a call sometime. Yeah. Okay, sure. And then you walk away and the fucking cold sweat is like evaporating and stuff and you're like, "Wow, really? That it was it was that easy?" And then you feel like a dink. And but it, you know, it's like that in life in general. I mean, I found with other things, I mean, especially now in the last couple of years, completely mentally reprogramming myself, it's you know, if I have any kind of a fear or I'm nervous about something, I will only allow myself a small window of time before I basically make myself do it because I I already know that it's not going to be what I thought it was going to be. And you know, I I really saw a good video on fear uh, on uh, Instagram a couple months ago from Will Smith. It, it, it went viral. It was him talking about. Um, his fear of jumping out of a plane going skydiving.
1: I actually just
2: saw this also. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. When he's skydiving in Dubai and he's talking about like, you know, they, he, he agreed to it a while before they were supposed to go. But then like the time came up and the night before he couldn't even sleep because he was so scared. And in the, you know, in the plane, he was practically shitting himself and he's like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Oh my God. And he's like scared to death. And he says as soon as he jumped out of the plane, I mean yep. fucking D- Dubai's beyond beautiful, so that didn't hurt either, but and he's just like the fear was gone, he right? Realize. Huh? The fear was gone, I believe he said. Didn't
1: he say the and moment he, he jumped the fear disappeared? It,
2: instantly, and he realized that is when life is the most enjoyable. When you when you cross that line and you know you're afraid of something. You don't even know why you're afraid of. Why are you afraid of jumping out of a plane? Well, I mean, yeah, you could die, but you know, people skydive all the time and it rarely happens. So why was it crippling you? Why couldn't you sleep from it? And we have so much more control over our bodies and our minds than we give ourselves credit for that. Sometimes it's almost stupid to think about how a single thought will cripple us. We don't, even realize at times that that crippling thought, we have a fucking Hulk sized fist that could just smash that crippling thought with the thought of, yeah, you can do it. And just for everybody listening,
1: uh, if you want to check out that video was will, uh, will Smith, it's will Smith fear speech and it will pop up. You'll see him skydiving. And, uh, it, it's what skydiving, uh, taught me about fear. Um, from Will Smith, and uh, yeah, it's funny because I caught that this week. I thought that was brilliant, and he's he's man, he's got a, what a mind that man has, and what a talent, and he's done. I remember being a kid watching him in Fresh Prince of Bel Air. If you would have said like just by judging a book by the cover, you would if you would have said like this guy is going to go on and do some pretty big thing, like you would be like, really? You wouldn't necessarily. And I was just a kid and whatnot, but like, it's you never know who someone really is just by watching them on one thing or just acting or anything of that nature. And it's, uh, check that out. You won't, you won't be, uh, you won't regret it. The, uh, for me too, like for me, uh, I remember I had a fear of speaking when I was younger public speaking. And I, uh, when I wanted to be getting to WWE and I remember before I tried out for tough enough, um, I was scared. I didn't even want to make a send a video, and I had trouble. I look back at this, and I laugh because I now it doesn't it doesn't even exist in me. You, there's no fear of public speaking doesn't doesn't scare me at all. It's completely gone, and it's. I look back. My sister has it actually. She still to this day fights with it and, and whatnot, and uh, where she freezes up actually. And she's she's actually frozen in front of people and group and talking before. And I really truly feel for her because she's not fully overcome that. And for me, I remember I took a, a public speaking class in college. I was like, I got to do something. I have to just. And I remember I was terrified. I was terrified just signing up for it because th- that's what you do and that you get you go up there and you talk. They f- like that is that is how you pass that class. And I remember that, that gave me a, just that little inkling of confidence. And it was, again, just doing it, just overcoming and just signing up, doing something. And then it was in stages. And then when I remember when I got up there and then I did the first speech. And I think the first one, no, and this is no joke, we had to make something food-wise and give a, a speech about what we made in front of the class. And I made, no, no joke, I pulled this off and the class loved them protein powder rice krispie treats with this awesome tasting vanilla protein powder back that doesn't exist anymore and but i remember i was confident because i i understood what i was making and i was able i that was uh that that gave me i talked about something that it wasn't i wasn't forced to talk about something i didn't know about (laughs) it was something i felt comfortable and had enough uh what's the word enough in my Rolodex of index cards in my brain of what I wanted to say about it. And it went well. And I remember just like, that wasn't hard. And it was, and that kind of gave me the, the, the motivation to then with the tough enough stuff, I could do this and doing a video and, and whatnot. And I look, but I look back and watch it and I just see, I was like, I remember still being so nervous, filming a video alone in the kitchen. Like it was, and, and the fact that that exists on a DVD, for the Tough Enough DVD blows my <laughs> mind to this day. Because I, I look back and see that young 22-year-old and I'm just like, I remember my brain and where it was at the time and my mindset. And it's just so different from now and whatnot. And it, it, it's, it's crazy. But I, there's been other things. Like to me, I told you, like for me, investing. Investing is something that has, has truly benefited me and helped me. I was absolutely terrified. I'll never forget at being at the bank, Chase Bank, and being in WWE for quite a bit there and uh, had a nice little little bank account going. And I had it all sitting in just a savings account because I didn't know what to do with it. And the lady just said, you really need to be doing something with this. She goes, what do you, why are you just, and I go, I go, I don't understand it. I'm scared. And she goes, well, we have people here that can do this for you. And, and they know. And I go, I've worked very hard for this money. I don't want to lose it. And I was so fearful And that was that moment. That was the moment I realized I was already reading and doing all these audio books. And I said, well, why the fuck am I not learning about money? That's the most, like, why am I, these things I'm so scared of. You can't be scared about money. And that's one thing it taught me with investing is you got to have just, you got to get rid of the fear. That's one of the biggest things in investing. Granted, there's a shit ton you need to know. But the biggest thing is just having the courage to let your money go. And you can't be, and because there's truly such, great benefits when you do it in a responsible intelligent manner and but that was a moment for me and that was where I took it I remember letting the bank do my retirement for a little bit and they with all their fees and everything and I remember I came across the Tony Robbins book mastery uh money mastering the game and I believe and I'd read other ones up to this point but he really was an advocate of learning about it yourself and with all these hidden fees and everything and I and I said you know what My stock account that I was running at the time, and again, I was out earning my retirement that the bank was running, that these ex-quote-unquote experts were running, because with all the fees and everything they're charging, they're taking away all the profits to begin with. And not to say every institution is like that, but I I said, fuck it, I'm going to take over my retirement. I'm going to take, I know the things, I know enough, now I'm comfortable enough, and and it, it, it was the best thing I ever did. And I'm still learning to this day. I don't know I don't know jack shit about things still when it comes to that. But I know a hell of a lot more than I did. And I'm constantly and again, for me the biggest thing was just overcoming the fear of investing and having the courage to put my money in different things. And again, there's a lot of research and things you need to do in the, in between all that. But it, it's just having the not being afraid to see your money go up and down and like in and in, in, again, I told you I've lost Seen my account go down a hundred and something thousand dollars and not blinked an eye, and just like it'll be fine, and it always is, and it's that that's not saying it's always going to be swings like that or whatnot. But you got to just you can't let fear rule you, and it's just you got to you got to overcome, and it might not happen over overnight. But it, you start changing your mindset, start putting it out there that you're going to make changes, and you're you know what I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and you might not do it. For quite a bit longer, but there's gonna eventually you'll get fed up. Something will happen, and, and something in that brain will get triggered off and, and you'll you'll just do it. And it's the best thing ever when you do. And uh don't let fear cause you not to do the things that you want to do in your life. And that's what again, leaving WWE, never in a million years would have thought I would have had the courage to do that. I don't let fear rule my life anymore. I do what makes me happy. And, and you have to do that. And I think that's the ultimate way to live life. And it's, uh, it was the best decision I ever made, again, especially for my health and, and, and everything during that period, and it allowed me to push myself in different directions outside of just wrestling and to see that there is a world outside of wrestling in that bubble that you can get used to being in after being there for essentially my entire life, adult life. So it's uh, you're not alone. If you got fears, that's for goddamn sure. But it's, uh, don't let that shit rule you because it's, at the end of the day, you only have one life that we know of and we're better off just going for it. And uh, And
2: I I, I think also, um, you know, once you you conquer a fear, regardless of how big or how small it is, it will give you a little more confidence the next time you have to face a fear. Like, you know, you mentioned the public speaking. I kind of had the same thing too like i never used to like to raise my hand in class and yep. give an answer and i remember uh in high school i was in drama class and you know we were doing skits and we were giving lines and whatnot and one day we were doing a, um, a version of jerry springer and i was supposed to be the husband and i was going to be fighting with my wife and <laughs> i love this they Yeah, and they brought in, uh, I don't know, like a bunch of other students to watch it, and we didn't know that they were coming in. So we're standing behind the curtain, waiting for the curtains to open up, and we're peeking through the curtain, and we see, you know, there's like 30 or 40 students watching us that aren't supposed to be there, and I got so nervous and scared. Like, I remember my heart, I I was having problems breathing because my heart was in my throat. And so the show or the skit opened up with the, the, the host introduced me, and of course I was supposed to complain about my wife and, and whatever it was. So they bring me out, and I kind of remember what I was supposed to say there. But then he said, okay, well, let's introduce your wife. And my wife came out, and as soon as she sat down and started talking, I was so nervous I forgot all of my lines. Whoa. And I had to ad-lib for the first time in my life. So not only was I public speaking – but I had to make shit up because I literally yeah. had on the fly, and what I said ended up being funnier than what was written. Always is, and, always
1: is, JD, always is. And
2: <laughs> so w- we did it, and you know, I mean, the whole thing was like five or six minutes. It wasn't like this big, huge Broadway play or anything like that. But I remember when the curtain closed, the drama teacher came up and said, "When did you come up with that? That was awesome!" And I said, "I." Forgot what I was supposed <laughs> to say because I was so nervous. Like, could you do that again? And I said, Well, yeah, but it just gave me this little bit of a confidence. Of and I was and like, Confidence. Well, because you know, you think to yourself, Well, I don't want to say anything because what if I say something stupid? Okay, but on the flip side, what if you say something golden? Yep. You don't. And know then you know, try. I remember uh, my first promo in wrestling was on my very first show. I wasn't even supposed to cut a promo. I had no idea they wanted to fill. Um, about three minutes of time. And the promoter's like, hey, sh- come over here. And I said, yeah. He goes, you're going to go out there with this referee, and you're going to complain that the referee in your match was shit, and this guy should have been the referee, and you're just going to complain about it for two or three minutes, and then we're going to send somebody out, and we're going to do uh, like the seven-foot, 350-pound dude, and he's going he's gonna to squash you. And I said, what am I supposed to say besides – It was the wrong ref. He's like, I don't know, make it up. And I had, I thought of enough words to say when I was out there, but my delivery was flat because I was, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, holy shit, really? And what? as soon as I watched it back though, because we had to record everything on those fucking uh, camcorders. (laughs) And I watched it back and I was just like, fuck, I could have did that so good. What was I scared of? Like, I had already wrestled, too. I wrestled in the opening match. Yeah. And this was in, in between, like, match three and four or two and three or something like that. And it pissed me off to no end. And I, that's when I started practicing promos because I'm like, what the fuck am I afraid of? Like, if I'm afraid, this is what it's going to sound like. I sound like a fucking Embarrassed. tool. Embarrassed, yeah, yep. Right? So, and it just, it motivated me, and I, you know. But it's like that with a lot of stuff. Sometimes you have to, either just push yourself or you have to get mad and, and, you know, challenge yourself and be like, I can't allow myself to do this or I can't allow myself to do this any longer and you have to just sometimes you have to push yourself you know, over the edge and then literally, just like Will Smith says, as soon as you get over the edge, you instantly realize what you're afraid of to begin yep. with.
1: Absolutely.
2: And I think that's a good, good note to
1: end the show on. This week, I think that's, uh, check out the Will Smith video on YouTube, guys. I think it's, uh, it'll give you a little motivation. and uh, Just do it. It might be the episode of the show. Just do it. And with that, J.D., I'm gonna, we're going to save the tips of the week for next week and bring that back next week. Is there anything you would like to go ahead and plug to end this week's show?
2: You can check out the latest and greatest and coolest and smoothest and whatever else sounds good uh, weight belts on uh, Instagram at Iron Attitude JD. And if you are interested in customizing your own weight belt for yourself, for your girlfriend, for your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, your cousin, your daughter, your son, whoever, check out www.IronAttitudeBelts.com. And if you have any ideas and you're unable to execute them on the website, feel free to hit the contact button and drop me an email or slide into my DMs on Instagram.
1: <laughs> Good deal. <laughs> Guys, follow me on social media on one of my 1,000 accounts at CWTBG on Twitter, at Ryback22 on Twitter, at FeedMeMoreNutrition on Facebook, at TheBigGuyRyback22 on Instagram. At conversation with the big guy on Instagram, at feed me more nutrition on Instagram, and then Ryback247 on Snapchat and slash feed me more channel. You can actually watch this show in its entirety in video format on YouTube. Amazon merch for all feed me more, feed me more nutrition, the big guy, Ryback t shirts uh, and clothing apparel on Amazon under feed me more or feed me more nutrition. For all fan mail, please send to P.O. Box 752-740-89136. Feed Me More Nutrition, available on Amazon, com and eBay, and at Wise Chiropractic in Las Vegas. For personal video shout-outs from myself, go to book cameo, sorry, take that back, cameo.com, slash thebigguyryback. For professional wrestling bookings, book the big guy at yahoo.com, or Bill billbarons at showbiz. B, that's show, B-I-S, at aol.com. Wake Up, It's Feeding Time, my motivational book, available on Amazon in paperback, Audible, and Kindle formats. Fuel Meals, my personal meal prep service. FuelMeals.com. Save 15% with discount code the Big Guy. You guys have just listened to another episode of Conversation with the Big Guy. Feed me more.